1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve Jones will soon be there from the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And a big one for Penn State last night. A huge, huge win on the road for their fourth straight Big Ten road win. That's four Big Ten road wins in a single season, marking a program first. Four straight bro victories are also a program first. A lot of record-breaking nights uh, for Penn State last night in the 88-76 win. What was good about last night, obviously the defense, and taking advantage of a cold start for Purdue where they have shot really well at home, especially from beyond the arc, as Steve and I talked about yesterday. But then, of course, the hot shooting to start for Penn State. For them to come out and just take control like that, the way they did, and then a 12-point lead going into the half, it just shows you how good this team is this year. I know Purdue's had a coming-up-and-down type of year, but the way they've been playing at home is what makes what Penn State did last night so impressive. Balanced scoring. Five guys in double figs last night. If you're able to get that more and more on a consistent basis and that starts to get better... Man, is that gonna be huge for Penn State as you start getting towards the thinking about the postseason. Seth Lunday in particular, I thought was really impressive last night. One of two guys with career nights. Six three pointers, career high, eighteen points. And Mike Watkins was big again last night. So was Lamar Stevens. Curtis Jones and some big shots last night, too. And the fact Penn State was able to dominate the first half the way they did with Lamar Stevens in foul trouble, and Myron Jones was a late scratch. And I'll be curious to see if Steve has any inside info on what happened with Myron Jones. He was a late scratch. He made the trip out to West Lafayette with that illness. Seemed like he was going to play, and then all of a sudden he was out. So we'll have to see if Steve has an update on that one. I'll be curious to find out myself. And then Penn State also, I thought, did a nice job. This was good coaching, too, I thought. It was a good game plan from from Patrick Chambers, is how they were able to take advantage of some defensive lapses and produce defense. And I thought... Last night, the Penn State, of course, obviously was the better team, but in particular in the paint, and that also really helped things open up for Penn State as well. Then they got good ball movement rolling around, and things just started opening up all over the place. When you, It's amazing what happens, how much it opens up for you on the floor when you're able to knock down as many outside shots and three-pointers as Penn State did. Penn State, 14 three-pointers last night, 10 in the, or 10 in the first half, rather, and that, they just fell one three-pointer short, of their school record of fifteen. And once again, key free throw shooting down the stretch you saw too from Penn State when Purdue started started to make things interesting. They cut the lead to eight points. And they were able to grind it out. Their last 14 points was all on the foul line. It was not from a field goal. They they were they were held without a field goal in the last few points of the game, last few minutes of the game. So again, you're starting to see Penn State make some of those Keep plays down the stretch defensively and making clutch free throws. All of this combining to make the formula of being able to win big games down the stretch and grind out wins down the stretch when you need to in these tough games. And now you get ready for a home dip with Northwestern, which stinks out loud. Now they got to make sure, Penn State, you got to make sure you're ready to play that game. Make sure you don't play down to that opponent at home. But you would think Penn State will take care of business on Saturday and then face, and then you get ready for the big day with Illinois next Tuesday on the 18th. So Penn State, man, that was another impressive win last night. A lot of good Big 12 games or Big 10 games, excuse me, last night. Maryland just hanging on at home against Nebraska. Michigan State, yeah, about that, able to come back down 20 plus points on the road at Illinois. That was pretty impressive, and they needed that win too, Steve. But man. The, 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 that whole effort from Penn State last night, all into the floor, the balance scoring yeah. from other players that hadn't had big games like that, its I, 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 I'm convinced now that they are the best team right now in, in the Big Ten, Steve. I really do.
0: Well, they're playing really well, obviously. They come out early. Uh, Purdue doubles the post, and Penn State hits threes. So, Purdue in the second half does the right thing. I mean, you know, Matt's a really... Matt Payton is a really good coach. Really good coach. And so now, because of what Penn State's doing, they've got to commit people to the perimeter because Penn State's hitting shots. So, they could go to the perimeter. What does Penn State do? Changes the game plan. Penn State attempted only seven threes in the second half. And they went inside and played the mid-range game. And actually scored more points in the second half than they did in the first. And it's hard to beat a team that can change its plan. And you're playing in Mackey Arena, which is just one of the really great places for a basketball game. Fans are on top of you. There's over 14,000 there. They're boisterous. They're into it, the whole deal. So Penn State's leading by a dozen at halftime. So what do you expect from Purdue in that environment on a home floor where I think, I believe they've lost, what, nine games there at home in the last, like, seven years, some number like that? You expect them to come out in the second half and just breathe fire. You expect that. You think, okay, let's see what happens here in the first four or five minutes. And Penn State ran off 13 unanswered points. To me, that was the most impressive part of the game. You expect them to come out and breathe fire. Now let's now let's get to the end of the game. The end of the game. Uh, I've had so many people say something to me about the end of the game, like the last five minutes, and I know. Th- I'm a bit baffled. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, as somebody who was sitting there watching it, number one, I never once thought they were in trouble of losing at all. <laughs> number two, I had somebody say, yeah, in the free throw line, um, okay." I don't know what game you were watching here, but in the last two o seven of the game, you do. I've told people I said you do know they were eleven to twelve with the free throw line in the last twelve two o seven. They went, "I always get this dumb final." Like, really? But they were missing for, I said they were 11 of the last 12 in the last 207. Ah, the problem would be, of course, any live ball turnovers. Anytime you're trying to craft any kind of comeback, you need to be aided by live ball turnovers. This is where, and Penn State only turned the ball over eight times the entire game. The entire game. That was it. Uh, But they had a couple of live ball turnovers in that stretch that you're talking about. This is where not having Myron Jones hurt you. Myron Jones is that additional ball handler that you need. This is what Myron Jones does. Myron Jones is, in that situation, the extra ball handler you're looking for, the extra passer you're looking for, and the extra free throw shooter you're looking for. He's all of that. That's that one additional element out there that he brings to the table that steadies that whole operation because he gives you that extra guy. Now suddenly it takes a little bit of weight off of Miles Dredd. It takes a little more little weight off of Lamar Stevens. It takes a little, little weight off of Brockington or whomever's out there because he's the additional component that can make a pass for you, make a decision for you, make a free throw for you, okay? So that's where not having him, you know, you want him out there because he's your second leading scorer anyway. Uh, It was a close call about whether he was going to go or not. He was at practice on Monday. He didn't do a lot on Monday. And they decided at the end of practice, they said, you know what? And the same story, by the way, with the strength and conditioning coach Greg McGinnis. I mean, those two guys were told, uh, "No, let's not," because here is Myron's getting better. Okay, that's fine. But again, you don't want to put anybody on a plane in when they're recirculating air. So that's why Myron was held back. Greg Muskinis, the strength and conditioning coach, was held back. Now, the other day they played at home. You know, Stephen Beatty was on, wasn't on the bench because he was in the same boat. And they, they told him, "Don't come out here." <laughs> so you don't know who Stephen Beatty is, but he's he's um, one of the walk ons who's made a couple of threes this year late in games out of Bullsburg. But I mean, that's what that's you're concerned about. Especially at this time of the year, you don't want anything like that happen where it runs through the whole team. So it was a close call and they thought better safe than sorry, they'd take the shot at it. And they turned out they won the game. But that's where the element of not just his fourteen points a game, but when you know, when you have a team that has you're essentially playing two point guards out there right now in Wheeler and and Jones, Myron Jones. The Third one's Curtis Jones, actually. But when you've got that additional ball handler, ball mover ball mover, um, um, you know, when that happens, you know, that makes all the difference in the world in the ability to, to attack the intense pressure you're getting at that point. So that if you had to pick an area right away, besides obviously the fourteen points a game, I mean, you know, I mean that's pretty and it's three point shooting, that's pretty obvious. I mean the last time he played was eight days ago at Michigan State and in Breslin, he had even though he was already second, I mean Pat almost didn't play him that night. I mean what they did was is he was coming down with it. And so what they did was they got him his own room just to get him any kind of separation from the rest of the team. And he went out and hit six out of eight threes, and he scored 20 points. So, yeah, you're going you're to miss a guy that's giving you six 20-point games this season. But they've scored 171 points without him in the last two games. It's been remarkable the way they've played offensively. But if you had to pick a situation where you say, you know what, <sighs> That's where you could really use him. It was in that last segment there, that that one additional ball mover, that one additional point guard, that one additional free-throw shooter, that one additional decision-maker out there.
1: So... But then why put him on the plane to Purdue last night, or two nights ago, I guess?
0: He wasn't. He didn't go. He wasn't there.
1: Ew. Okay.
0: No, my right. that's what my point was. He was okay. at practice on Monday, and they made the decision after practice not to Let's take go. him. Okay. And not to take Greg Miskinnis. I, I was,
1: was only I was only confused because I saw after you at after the, after the show yesterday, it was and I saw a tweet from Ben Jones actually that Byron was out. So I, I he thought he, I thought he had made the trip, and then they were trying to make it a game time decision. Okay, well, no, that makes sense now. He wasn't even there. Okay.
0: He wasn't there. It wasn't on the plane, and again, the, part of the whole thing was they were trying to keep him away from everybody. Right. Uh, again, he was at practice. Ironically, Tony Carr was at practice too. That's that's what I found out. Tony was at um, was in the G League now. Tony's been in the G League now for a week. He's with Erie now. Uh, but I mean, he's getting better, but not to the point where. Um, It, it was a better safe than sorry. And I guess Miss Guinness, I mean, I Greg doesn't play, but he's your, still your, he's your S&C coach. I, mean, I was talking to John, Jonathan Celeste. He said, oh, he says, Greg is really sick. I'm like, ah, oh, great. After the Michigan State game, like, Myron's coming through the plane. He's fist-pumping people, and I gave him an elbow. He goes, no, no, I'm feeling fine. I said, no, nah. I said I can't risk that. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> no offense. I would have done the same <laughs> I said, point. I like you, but, you know. <laughs> no. So they won last night, played great. Lamar Stevens had five assists last night. This is after a 33-point game. And he goes out there and... Figure figured out the best way to win. That's all you're looking for. Figure out the best way to win. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio ten seventy WK okay. All right. I'm glad you told me that, because I couldn't hear any return. I just heard nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I just kept sitting here until you said something. Because <laughs> what I happened there? Sorry I, about that. I, I couldn't hear a single commercial. <laughs> I kept thinking, finally, the suit's plans in place. There are no commercials. <laughs> <All> right, so, <laughs> completely implemented the way you want. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. uh But uh, next up, this will be a dynamic uh, basketball wrestling day-night doubleheader at the Jordan Center coming up on Saturday. Think of this. You have the 13th-ranked Nittany Lion basketball team looking for its eighth straight win, taking on Northwestern at noon. And then... You have the second-ranked Penn State wrestling team against third-ranked Ohio State at 7.30 at night. You could have 30,000 people in that building on Saturday. How about that? Talk about dynamic. That is a big-time day-night doubleheader. Big time. Wrestling team... Look, they were one win away from beating Iowa at Iowa in that atmosphere. One win. Then they pounded Maryland. Then they went to Wisconsin and beat them with relative ease. Then they went to Minneapolis and beat Minnesota with relative ease. And now they're back home for Ohio State. In what is going to be a wild and raucous crowd Saturday night at 730. After what's going to be another wild and raucous crowd at noon on Saturday as well. And there's a, by the way there's a men's gymnastics meet in the middle too, at Rec Hall if you want to take that in. How about that? All right, bottom of the hour. Back next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Well, I hope, Matt Catrillo, you received an education. I did. Don't let him touch anything. (laughs) Guess who came into the studio before the show and adjusted all the buttons? Go ahead, Matt, tell him.
1: (laughs) He wasn't here because we had an issue with my mic, so I thought that was the only problem solved, but then we... I had some connection issues with you, and now I think after we push some board buttons, I think we're good to go now. Well, actually, Kevin did all the work. I was just trying to pretend that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I think we're all, all systems go now. I think
0: it's like the surgeon that puts all the parts back the wrong way and then has to do more surgery again. I mean, I'm so it's, it's like, you're like, why do I have to have another surgery? Well, I kind of botched it up. Oh, okay. So let's think now. Who botched it up the first time? Matt? Well I mean I, I mean I like, I realize that you feel in some way that your job's on the line here, but don't. I'll save it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> okay. Great to have you with us. Mel Tucker's the new head football coach at Michigan State. We're gonna have a reporter on tomorrow from uh Denver. He had one year at Colorado. He was 5-7. I can't tell you what kind of head coach he is. I don't know. He had a decent college quarterback. He had an exceptional wide receiver. The rest of the team I don't have a handle on at Colorado. I just don't. That's why we bring on guests. You know, he did okay as the defensive coordinator with Jacksonville when he was with Jack Del Rio. He then got... Uh, fired with the Bears because they had two subpar defensive years I mean I don't know he was on two national championship coaching staffs at Ohio State in the early 2000s then Alabama in 2015 I know people speak highly of him I don't really know him so we're going to get a better read on him from tomorrow uh, Tomorrow, from somebody at least who was around him for the one year he was there one year But here's the difference between what goes on in the Big Ten or the SEC and the separation that is now happening between the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Pac-12, Big 12, ACC. It's financial. Michigan State was able to double Mel Tucker's salary to get him to go to East Lansing. And that makes a big difference when you can offer somebody that much more money because guess what? You have that kind of money available as opposed to the money available at a Pac-12 school, an ACC school, or a Big 12 school. Now, the ACC is probably better set up But the SEC and the Big Ten have now created through their passionate fan bases, their TV network deals, and also the ability to be successful. You get more money when you get more teams into the New Year's Six. Well, this year, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State all moved on To the New Year's Six, Pac-12, as usual, got one team in. And that one team was Oregon and the Rose Bowl. That was it. You're not going to get the, quote, extra money. Let's get to the NCAA basketball tournament. NCAA basketball tournament, where the more teams you get in, the more potential, quote, units you can get. I mean, the Pac 12's been down in basketball the last couple of years. I mean, Oregon's a terrific team. I mean, they're really good. Colorado, by the way, Tad Boyle, excellent, excellent coach, really good team. Right, Arizona. But the Pac 12's going to hover around three or four entries in, and the Big Ten's probably going to get maybe 10, nine or 10 teams in. The SEC which a few years ago only had like four in one year. Now they're year in and year out. It looks like they're getting like seven, eight teams in all the time, more units, more money. And then I haven't even gotten to the SEC network yet. I haven't gotten to Big Ten yet, Big Ten network yet. I haven't even gotten to the ESPN deals with the SEC and the Big Ten. I have not yet gotten to the Fox deal with the Big Ten, I mean they've got all that. The other conferences, while making some decent coin from their media and bowl deals, is making decent coin, as opposed to awesome coin. That's what that's what's happening. It's that's that's why a Michigan State has the financial wherewithal to lure away a guy from a Pac-12 school. And I think as time goes, if you are the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC, and I know the ACC has its own network now, but do you even get the ACC network where you are, Matt?
1: I I don't. I don't even have SEC network.
0: We have SEC Network here. We do not have ACC Network.
1: I just have Big Ten and CBS Sports Network.
0: See, now, notice, though, when the Big Ten... When the Big Ten Network is negotiating with Cable, one of the interesting parts to me is when there is a snag in the negotiations. Well, you notice how passionate the fan base gets? When it comes to... What do you mean I I might not be able to watch that game? People are used to it now. SEC, passionate fan base. Pac-12 Network has had all sorts of troubles... For years, Big Twelve doesn't have an organized one. They still have a syndicated network outside of Longhorn Network. The ACC just started its network, and I don't know how how good it's going to be. I can't. I have no read on it. None. So, all this I find all this very interesting because it's creating a financial divide between SEC, Big Ten and the other three power conferences and the Tucker situation to me is exhibit A I'm not saying Colorado doesn't have the money to keep him but just through media deals and bowl deals and revenue sharing and NCAA tournament sharing money and so forth a Big Ten school has more resources than a Pac-12 school does. It's just a fact of life. Now, you'll find more broad-based programs in the Big Ten. Ohio State has 34 sports. Penn State has 31. That's That's a big burden to carry. I mean, a lot of schools are right around. The, the, you'll see a lot of schools that you're like, hey, they must have a lot of sports. Ah, no, they have 20. Oh, really? That's why they can throw more of their resources into football, men's basketball, things like that, as opposed to other schools that are far more broad-based. But you know, you're now getting to a point that the initial perception is the halves are the Power Five conferences. SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, Big 10. Versus the Group of Five. Well, now you're starting to get a chasm developing between the Big 12, excuse me, a chasm developing between the Big 10, SEC, versus... The Big Twelve, Pac-12, and ACC financially. That's that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because the SEC is in eight and the Big Ten are both in power negotiating spots based on the depth and passion of their fan bases. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that played a role in the amount of money Michigan State could throw at Mel Tucker to lure him away from Colorado. Again, I cannot tell you. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who have some confidence in him. I mean, Nick say he was a graduate assistant for Nick Saban, then he worked on his staff for a year. So he was a GA at Michigan State for Nick Saban. And then in 2015, he was on Saban's staff. Then he went with Kirby Smart at Georgia. Uh, Michael asks, could Lamar Stevens be the Big Ten Player of the Year and Chambers National Coach of the Year? Well, Michael, let me answer your question. You got two questions there. Let's start with uh, Lamar Stevens. First of all, for, let's, let's start with Patrick Chambers. Could he be the National Coach of the Year? Yes, he could be. Uh, National Coach of the Year, many times, you look at the very top, and Brian Dutcher of San Diego State certainly is going to be mentioned in that conversation. Um, Scott Drew at Baylor is going to be mentioned in that conversation. Mark Turgeon of Maryland's going to get mentioned. Chris Mack at Louisville is going to get mentioned. And Patrick Chambers is going to get mentioned. Chambers would be, in terms of that kind of discussion, a lot of people like to vote for somebody who's taken something and turned is taken a program and turned it into something. They like that. Drew as an established program at Baylor is having a great year. Dutcher inherited a pretty good program. He was already on the staff with Steve Fisher for a long time. And Brian goes all the way back to when Steve was at Michigan. Um, I mentioned Chris Mack, who went to Louisville, stabilized everything after their problems. So that's going to be considered. But Patrick's the one that has, you know been able to grind it out to get there. So, yeah, you know what? He's going to get a lot of consideration for that. Lamar Stevens' Big Ten Player of the Year then becomes, that's a different question. Lamar Stevens absolutely should be considered for Player of the Year, but there's going to be a lot of people who are going to lean toward um, Luca Garza of Iowa. There's been a lot of talk about Luca Garza not just as the Big Ten Player of the Year, but there's been a lot of talk about Luca Garza potentially getting votes for National Player of the Year. Cassius Winston is going to get a lot Cassius Winston's gone through unfortunately for him a living hell this year personally because of what happened with his brother So that you know, and he's the reigning Big Ten Player of the Year and then there's Lamar I think those are the three guys that you would look at right away uh, right now we'll see how it plays out the next couple of weeks Lamar's playing the best of the three right now but uh, but Garza's had a, had a head start in terms of the perception, and Garza, by the way, is a terrific player. So the, the, you know you're talking about. You can't go wrong with any one of the three. But that's a very good question. It's a very good question. I appreciate that very much. That was from our Facebook page. That was from our Facebook page. And I hope number one, you heard the answer. That always helps. We always feel like that helps when they actually hear the answer. But that is going to be. Um, those are the kind of items that Patrick refers to as poison. Now I can answer that stuff. That's why I, I, I laughed about, it. I was laughing with Patrick about this. Well, actually, with Rose Carter, but it was about Patrick. Patrick was talking to the BTN guy. He said, "Look, I've turned down a lot of interview requests. I just want to stay present in the moment, which is the right thing for him to do. That's how he needs to approach it." All right. And I said, "Yeah." And I said, "I said, and guess who's and guess who they turn to when you say no?" <laughs> he goes, "Who?" Oh. I said, "Who do you think?" <laughs> I was on serious this morning. <laughs> he goes. Oh. I said, yeah, oh. <laughs> I said, it's all right. I said, you don't think I haven't been in this spot for a long, long time where I've had to fill in when people said no? I said, <laughs> he goes true. I said, not just in this sport. <laughs> all right, we'll take a break. By the way, can we talk budget for one second, Matt? you just talk budget one quick second there? I think Matt quit. Did you quit, Matt?
1: No, I'm still here. Sorry.
0: Uh, all
1: right. I too many things going on at one time.
0: Well, no. I mean, do we have enough money in the budget to get a lock?
1: Um, We can probably squirt some out somehow.
0: Hey, that way, we don't have somebody coming in, like, fouling up all the buttons. <laughs> We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors.
2: Sunbury Motors Ford is coming off with their best-selling year in its 105-year history. Uh-huh. SMC has committed to Ford Motor Company to sell a thousand new Fords in 2020. Wow. Pick from 25 of the totally redesigned 2020 Ford Escapes. And they start as low as 21,960. <laughs> Take up to $7,500 off MSRP of the all new 2020 Ford Explorer and their price from just $33,965. Sunbury Motors is Central PA's truck capital. Choose from over 120 Ford F 150s and Super Duties. Mmm, Super Duty. The F-Series truck has been the number one selling vehicle for 43 consecutive years, and SMC has them on sale for as low as $26,794. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, proudly serving the Susquehanna Valley's transportation needs for over a century.
0: All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Penn State won last night, uh, winning at Purdue in a game. I don't think people realize Penn State was actually a five-point underdog last night. And in the uh, Ken Palm rankings, which we refer to on the show uh, often, Purdue was actually one spot in front of Penn State. So... If you're going to sit there and just look at the base record, you're not going to give yourself a good read at all on the meeting of a win. You're just not. Uh, you can't sit there and go, well, they're 14-10. I mean, that wasn't a great win. They're now 14-11. No, in the analytics, number one, Purdue has played a top-five schedule. And... Playing at home, where I believe they've lost what nine times in seven years, eight years, something like that. And Penn State was the underdog last night, five point underdog, and they walked in, and Purdue had won three in a row, as we pointed out on the show yesterday. The winner out at at Northwestern, where they they crafted really. A great comeback and escaped Evanston with a win. Then they just took Iowa and they sandblasted them 104 to 68. I was talking to one of the security people at, at Mackey before the game. I said, Every time I turn the game on, I said, they're hitting a three, then another three. Then I tuned in later. They hit a three and another three. Then I tuned in the second half. They hit a three and another three. They had 19 threes in that game. Purdue came into the game averaging 10 made threes per game at home. And they only got four last night. Four. Because Penn State's defense was just that good. They got right up into the feet of the shooters last night. And it made all the difference in the world as how they played. Like defense, I was on the Sirius this morning. You were asking me about Penn State's defense. and I said, I said, defense in basketball is the same as defense in football. If you have a really good defense, your defense always travels. Your defense always travels. And it it keeps you in games or, in some cases, can put the game away for you. And Penn State last night played another outstanding defensive game. Yeah, you're going to see the score. But a lot of it, I mean, really what kept Purdue in the neighborhood was the free-throw line. And Penn State shot 50% again last night. And Penn State shooting, for the most part, I mean, obviously not perfect, but Penn State shooting most of the season has been pretty good. I want to say that's the sixth time this year they've shot 50% or better. Not bad. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I believe, uh, what, well, we have Mike Muscala on the show Friday?
1: Yes, at 445 for the day before his jersey retirement at Bucknell on Saturday. That's
0: great. I'm looking forward to talking to you with Mike. Always enjoyable. It is a bad week for the Houston Astros because now they're going to have to talk to the media. And the scandal just seems like it's getting worse because guess what? Now other teams are speaking out. The A's tried to turn them in.